Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beside the Lord at his feet listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. church gives us an interesting arrangement of readings this morning because uh, at first glance it seems maybe like the first reading and the gospel are even at odds with one another, right? Because in the first reading we see Abraham, you know, kind of performing the ministry of hospitality when he receives the angel of the Lord. Uh, and then we have this scene with Martha and Mary where Mary is sitting, you know, they're, they're sisters. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus and simply is listening to him being with him, receiving him. Martha's performing uh, what really is a sacred duty, which is, you know, the duty of hospitality, and it seems like she's doing a good job of it. When she complains to the Lord that, uh, and you can actually kind of imagine maybe her frustration because she's doing all the work, and meanwhile, her sister is, you know, sitting there receiving all the Jesus, right? So uh, when she complains, Jesus says, uh, and these words I think we should take to heart, Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. So uh, what we see here is very clearly, very simply, Jesus uh, and unmistakably states the primacy over, uh, of contemplation over action, right? Or the primacy of receiving over doing. And so there's, there's really just a couple of things that I want to observe about this primacy of contemplation over action of receiving over doing, just a couple of observations. Number one, uh, many of us will struggle in our spiritual lives or our prayer lives or lives as Christian, whatever you want to say. Uh, many of us will struggle with perhaps being willing to expend great effort for the kingdom, but never really establish uh, a deep prayer life. We might do a lot of work for the gospel. We might do a lot of work for the church. We might be very faithful in living out our vocations uh, and in our responsibility to witness to the world and yet never really establish a relationship of intimacy with the Lord. And the difficulty of this is that the fruit of our labors is going to come from that intimacy with the Lord. Right? Nobody would say, I don't think, well, I don't think, I shouldn't say nobody. I don't think most of us would read this gospel and say that Martha is doing a bad thing. It would certainly be a misunderstanding of Jesus' words to say that we shouldn't do any work from the king, for the kingdom. We should just sit around all day. Uh, but we have to get the order correct, right? Uh, our work comes from our contemplation. We first receive from the Lord, 
And then having received from the Lord, from what we receive from him, that's where we uh, produce our work and produce our fruit. And so if we don't develop that, uh, that intimacy with the Lord, if we don't develop that, that prayer life, then, uh, then we don't necessarily have a lot of fruit to bring out into the world. We don't have the graces the Lord wants to give us. We don't have the, the knowledge of him that he wants us to have to go out uh, and do that work. But there's actually a deeper, there's a deeper danger here, brothers and sisters, and it's a danger about the development of our prayer life and the development of our relationship with the Lord. I think that maybe, don't stone me for saying this, but I think that maybe this might be something that men are more inclined to deal with. I've only ever had the experience of being a man, but I certainly struggle with this. And uh, this is that we cannot really, there's only so far we can get into our prayer life until we realize that we are totally receptive before God. And what we often want to do is we want to earn intimacy with God. We want to earn his approval. We want to earn his blessing. We want to earn his benefits. We want to sort of, we want to first show him that we are worthy of his love. And then maybe once, once we feel that we've demonstrated our worthiness, maybe then we're willing to accept. And this is going to be really, really problematic in our spiritual lives because when it comes to our relationship with God, we can only receive from him. We cannot earn God's love, brothers and sisters. Uh, right? There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Right? God's love is a fact. It's a fact that's constant. It's a fact that's eternal, and it's something that we can really only receive. And so when we place doing first, when we place this, uh, this primacy of action, sometimes our, our ability, our willingness to be receptive kind of atrophies. And the reason I bring this up is uh, in my experience and in my, you know, my knowledge of the spiritual life, this is actually a huge hurdle that we have to overcome. And it's, it's this it's sort of pride. It's this desire to, uh, to earn God's love. And it can go so deep that we actually don't want. And think about how, how pride subtly disguises itself here. We actually don't want to receive something we don't deserve. Right, we, we, the, the church teaches us, the gospel shows us that the Lord loves us with an unmerited love. He loves us with an extravagance that we can't possibly deserve. And very often there's something in us that balks at that. Right, there's something in us that feels that we shouldn't be, this is, this is why I think maybe, it's a, maybe this is a struggle for men more than women, I don't know. Women, if you struggle with this, feel free to tell me. But uh, we almost struggle with, I don't want to be somebody that, it feels like I'm taking a handout from the Lord. I don't want to be somebody that, that uh, takes something that I haven't earned. But brothers and sisters, that is a base metaphysical fact about our relationship with God is that we have to, if we're going to be in intimacy with him, we simply have to receive things from him that we haven't earned. And so in this sense, the, the relationship that Mary models with Jesus is one for all of us, right? Which is where we don't put the doing primary. Right, the doing flows out of the receiving. First, we receive God's love. And then in response to that, uh, then we do. The second thing that I want to observe is uh, what this says to us about vocations. Because when we pray for vocations, whether they be vocations to the priesthood, to religious life, these vocations all have to do with celibacy. Uh, and I, I think that we have gotten into perhaps a, 
a bad habit of how we talk about celibacy if we talk about it at all. Um, and often we only think about celibacy in relationship to priests. Right? Uh, we don't necessarily focus as much on the other religious vocations. And looking at the celibacy of priests, I've so often heard it explained, you know, why do priests have to be celibate? Why can't they get married? And I've so often heard it explained in purely practical terms, right? The priest is celibate so that he has more time to do church stuff. Uh, and I am telling you as a priest that that's ridiculous. Uh, we, we are, in, in some sense, we're less busy than all of you. Uh, but I can also tell you that, you know, if I were to, if I were to give up family, simply to have more availability on my calendar, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that that could sustain my life. Rather, there is a great blessing in the vocation of celibacy itself, right? And St. Paul speaks about why celibacy is such a blessing. And what he says actually really relates to what we're talking about here with the, the primacy of receiving, right? And St. Paul teaches us that uh, the married man or the married woman are concerned and must be, because of the fidelity of their vocation, must be concerned about the things of the world and pleasing their spouse. While the unmarried person can be concerned with the things of God and with pleasing God. The real reason that celibacy is such a gift, and I'm gonna go on, I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that uh, celibacy is the better part. It's a privilege. And it's because the Lord calls some to enter more deeply into union with him, right? This gift that we see Mary receiving, he calls some of us to uh, lead that or to live that more in our lives than others. And if, for those who have a contemplative vocation, right, who live in, in monasteries or, con, or uh, you know, monks and nuns, they are called to a life where they just, just sit at the, foot of, the feet of Jesus, where they completely receive. I guess what, uh, the, when, I'm, when I'm speaking about vocations, I, my my intended audience here is not so much the young men and women who might be discerning, but the parents of young men and women who might be discerning or who might discern someday. Because one of the things that I have often encountered when I speak with parents about the possibility of vocations is there is sometimes a little bit of apprehension in the parents about the possibility of their child having a celibate vocation. And I've had to spend some time figuring out where this apprehension comes from. And it's certainly not from a lack of love for the church. Because I've talked to many who are deeply faithful, who deeply love the Lord, deeply love the church, love priests and nuns, but who have that sort of anxiety about the possibility that the Lord might call their child. And I think that maybe at the root of it is a fear that if my son or daughter is called to live this life, you know, to not be, to not have a family of their own, to not sort of do the things that everybody else does in the world, uh, but to be called apart from the world, there's maybe a fear that they're gonna be missing out on something and that that life is not gonna be enough and that maybe they're not gonna be happy. So for parents that are here listening now, I repeat to you the words of Jesus that Mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken from her. Right, Jesus doesn't tell us Mary is sacrificing more, Mary is suffering more, and she's going to be better rewarded. He simply says she has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. Brothers and sisters, if the Lord calls our children to him as priests, as religious brothers, sisters, nuns, monks, whatever it is, uh, while the human anxiety is understandable, in faith we ought to overcome that. In the faith of the gospel, we ought to rejoice 
that the Lord has chosen our sons and daughters uh, for the better part. He's chosen them to come away from the world and to have the privilege of sitting more uninterruptedly at the feet of Jesus. My last observation is the, the last part of that phrase Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken from her. And that's this, heaven, for those of us who are saved, is a contemplative reality. Heaven is not a place where we go work really hard for eternity. In some sense, we, we wouldn't be that far off. It's, it's analogical, but we wouldn't be that far off if we imagined heaven as sitting at the feet of Jesus for eternity. Or if we imagined heaven as sitting in adoration for eternity, but in a way that's not boring. Right? When, I first, when I was in high school, I first started learning about, some of you first told me that in heaven we adore Jesus for, or we adore the Lord for eternity. I got a little bit nervous because the adoration was very boring, right? But, uh, but really, heaven is a contemplative reality, which is why we uh, seek to start living that heavenly reality now, right? That when we're in intimacy with Jesus, when we're simply receiving his word, meditating, contemplating, we're actually getting a foretaste of what we were really made for, right? The reason the church says that celibacy is a higher vocation is not because celibates are better, but because they are living in this life a reality that's closer to the heavenly reality uh, that we are called to. So basically, brothers and sisters, whenever we set aside work for a moment and simply be with Jesus, meditate on his word, receive from him in, in prayer, we are choosing the better part, and we know that in eternity it will not be taken away from us.